0: scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. You may follow along on the screen above. Hear now the word of God. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. They came to him, collapsed his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Amen.
1: Happy Easter to all of you. It's good to see that our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can all gather together on this one special day throughout the year to celebrate what Christ has done for us. So, if Friday, which we call Good Friday, is a day where we observe and grieve together as one family, the crucifixion and the suffering of Jesus Christ. Today, here this morning in Easter, we celebrate joyfully what Christ has done for all of us so I invite all of you to pray with me one more time let's invite the spirit to come speak to us through his word, let us pray Lord we thank you that we are broken people sinful, lost dumbfounded at times but yet you are always with us you speak to us You come to us. You saved us. So, Lord, we celebrate today. We ask that you be here in our celebration of you and what you've done for us. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, it's been amazing weather lately. And every year around April as the the snow disappears and melts and when the weather begins to warm up like today, there was something that my friends and I always looked forward to, and that was the opening of um, Six Flags Great Adventure.
0: <laughs>
1: we would be busy, it's in the 90s, we would be busy going to the recycle cans, collecting Coca-Cola cans for the discounts <laughs> to coupons. And we really just looked forward to heading down to New Jersey Turnpike, getting off that Exit 7A and going to Great Adventure and going on all the roller coaster rides and just having fun together. Personally, I wasn't a roller coaster fanatic, so that really didn't excite me too much. I went more for social reasons, so for me, the drive, the hour drive down to Great Adventure was just as fun and exciting as the, the, the rides that took place at Six Flags. If there was one thing that did make my heart beat faster because I was so excited, was actually the, the amusement park games, right? The games that you can never win. It's rigged so you can't win, but I love playing it, and perhaps it's just like winning against those odds made me so excited, and after a while, I got pretty good at it. I used to actually make money off of it. I used to win the dolls and the, the, from the games, the prizes. I used to walk around as young uh, 12, 13 year old with my friends, and we used to sell them to young couples, right? We used to kind of dangle in front of the girlfriend and the boyfriend, like, all right, I'll buy for you, right? And I used to actually make my money. Uh, back, the entrance fee back from selling those dolls and prizes. But in 1993, there was one roller coaster that made my uh, heart change about roller coasters in general. Batman, the ride, had arrived. There were commercials everywhere on TV, and my roller coaster fanatic friends were talking about it before it even came out because they used to, you know, um, talk about it with each other. And I remember it, it, it read like, fly like a bat, we provide the wings. And it still is in the uh, Great Adventure Six Flags website. Fly like a bat, we'll provide the wings. What made this roller coaster bro- groundbreaking was it was an inverted roller coaster. And your feet were dangling in midair. Right? There was no platform that you can put your feet on. Right, So you're literally dangling from knee on, many of you maybe experienced it, where you're just flying. And it would just zip down 50 miles per hour from 10-story high drop, and it would go in a 360-degree spin right away from the beginning. Going at 50 miles per hour enough to feel the 4G force. Really doesn't seem like much to have your feet just dangle in the air. It doesn't seem like much of a change. But it really did change everything, at least for me. There's something about not having your feet on the ground or on a platform that makes you much more scared and much more nervous. We are land creatures, and there's something so secure about being able to keep our feet on the ground. And sometimes I wonder if God created us Uh, creating us out of the dust from the ground had anything to do with it. When the ground beneath you moves and your feet are about to dangle, it's only natural that one feels anxious, nervous, and scared. The two Marys were trembling and scared. They didn't pay for the scary experience. They didn't expect a scary experience they didn't expect the ground beneath them to move around, making them unstable. It wasn't a roller coaster ride, but it sure felt like their feet were about to dangle and fall through the cracks in the ground. As it says, a violent, violent, sudden earthquake came about. Poor Marys, right? They simply went to the grave, to the tomb. Of Jesus Christ to grieve, to cry, to give due respect to the Jesus Christ who died, their teacher, their Savior, only to be greeted by a sudden violent earthquake. There's something about not having their feet securely on the ground that makes them very scary and scared and rightly so. Matthew alone, interestingly enough, out of all the Gospels, Matthew alone includes such shaking of the earth, or the earthquake, when the woman arrived at the tomb. No other Gospel writer includes this detail. In fact, this is the second time that Matthew writes about the earthquake. And where it happened before? Only a chapter right before this, 2750, when Jesus Christ gave his final breath, on that cross, suffering in pain, crying out to the Lord, it said that the earth shook violently. And here at the end of the Passion narrative, we see the earthquake revisiting us one more time as Christ is no longer seen in the empty tomb. Matthew makes sure... We don't miss the significance of both Jesus' resurrection and death, that this is no accident, this is a, 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 a clearly an act of one who has power and authority way beyond our imagination. Matthew wants to make sure that we get that. So he introduces this resurrection narrative today also with an earthquake. But the violent earthquake wasn't the only reason that the two Marys were scared. In their panic-stricken, struck you know, frantic mode, a ghost appears in front of them. And this is not an ordinary ghost, right? A ghost appears in front of them, which they don't really know it's an angel yet, removes this huge stone that no one human being can move. And then he's sitting on top of this stone, showing that he's kind of chilling out. He's casual. He's like, yep, that's what I did, right? And I'm here to tell you something. Can you imagine you're the two married? You go to a gravesite of your teacher, your savior, and you want to cry your heart out. And then all of a sudden, the ground shakes. You tremble in fear. And then you see this ghost image sitting on top of a stone, kind of smirking, looking back at you. It says in verse 3, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. How scared would we be? Sometimes I think this reenactment of this resurrection scene would be an amazing amusement park experience, right? People would pay to be this scared. But the women were not the only ones there experiencing this, witnessing all of were the guards. Verse 4 reads, The guards were so afraid of the angel that they shook and became like dead men. I'm sure these weren't just ordinary guards. I mean, after all, Jesus Christ had a huge following. He did say He was the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. And there was a following and the crucifixion was this big ordeal where thousands came out in Mass to watch. So, these guards, I'm sure, who were appointed to protect the gravesite of Jesus Christ were no ordinary guards. They were probably strong. They were smart. They had high ranks. They were probably their most fearless, brave, well-trained guards. But who can blame, who can blame them? If I was a guard, I'd be scared. It doesn't matter how well you were trained or how fierce you are. If you were there witnessing what the two Marys witnessed, anyone would have been frozen with fear, just like these guards. There definitely is fear among all these characters. Guards and the two women. But there's also another image that is intertwined here with fear. A theme that Matthew wants us to get in this this verses. There is fear, Yes. But along with this fear is tied, intertwined with another image, another theme that Matthew wants us to get. And that is a vision. Fear. But to see. Matthew wants us to feel the trembling of the Marys and the guards. But he also wants us to see. As the angel tells the two women, look. Come see the place. You will see him. They will see me. Even in what the angel says, you are looking for Jesus, right, Marys? The verb to see or to look has the sense of seeking what was once in hand and it was lost. This image of seeing, vision, repeats over and over again throughout the resurrection narrative along with the fear. It's as if the angel was saying, hey, I know you're scared. You're supposed to be scared. But don't be afraid. Open your eyes. See. See what God has in store for you. In midst of being scared, the angel wants us to keep our eyes open and see what God has in store for us. It's as if the angel is telling us, to keep our eyes open during the roller coaster ride, because with it open, you might feel fear, but you might see something else. It might enhance your experience. You may see the vision that God wants us to see. Perhaps we can hear in this careful and poignant construction from Matthew an assertion that we cannot see what is truly important without also experiencing fear. We cannot experience what is essential, so important, so crucial in our lives without experiencing fear. We cannot meet Jesus without being shaken. That these two human capacities are linked. It's evident that you want to experience something so life-changing, so life-forming, so rejuvenating so restoring, guess what? You want to see that happen in your life? And perhaps many of us already have. You will tremble and you will experience fear. Because the ground beneath us, what we thought gave us foundation, security, will shake. All the idols that we worship, all the things that we love in our life, all the things that define us and identify us, Those things in which we stood on top of will break and shatter. In response to their fear, the angel replies, Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. In English, it sounds like a command, but there's something lost in translation here. If you see the Greek word, what the angel says about fear is not a command. the sense of do not be afraid is an emphatic requirement but a comforting assurance. He's in fact saying there's nothing to be fearful of. You need not fear. I'm from God, Jesus Christ. This calming voice comes from an authority who speaks with power that is beyond this world. but you can't help it. the women are still afraid. But something shifts. Something shifts in both of them. Despite the danger, they get up, they move, and they act. As the angel says, get up, move, go to Galilee, and there you will see Jesus Christ resurrected. They're not given 100% proof of the resurrection yet. They didn't get to ask quite, wait a minute, angel, I have some questions about this. There were no answering of questions. There's no debate here. They simply act, even in midst of their fear. And their fear begins to change. It's not just all fear. Their fear, we can see, also now contains joy. There will be fear and joy when we experience the resurrected Christ. What's interesting about Matthew's account of the resurrection here is that this is the only place where the women meet Jesus Christ actually on their way to Galilee. As they get up, move, and act on their way, they see Jesus Christ resurrected. And they interact with them. But in Matthew's gospel, the women meet Jesus when they're on their way, when they are going what doing what the angel called them to do. In a sense, this gets the resurrection out from the grave, out from the tomb, and into the world. And isn't that what Easter is about? Death had been defeated. We move out of the tomb, out of the grave, out of death, and we move toward the resurrection. We move into the world as the two Marys did, as we respond to the Holy Spirit. Your God that you worship is above death. So find hope. You may tremble, you may fear, but you will also find joy. Hope in our God who says, I will be with you, no matter what. In a sense, this gets the resurrection out of the tomb and out into the world. It isn't just an event that happened in this one place to one body. It is something we just point to this one special service each year. It's not just that. The resurrected Jesus is the one we encounter when we have come and seen. And then, Go and tell. So as the angel invites Mary, come, don't be afraid. See, but now go and tell. This is the good news. Go and tell. And in the same way God tells us today, congregation, church, New Mercy, those who are visiting, Those who believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, come, see, tremble. It's okay. You're supposed to be fearful. You're supposed to be scared. But calm your heart because underneath that fear, you will find joy somewhere as you trust in our God. As God says, come, see, now, go and tell. None of the other evangelists place additional witnesses in the tomb garden. And this is another interesting fact about Matthew's account. Is that only in Matthew's account, there's the two Marys, but there's also the two guards. What a contrast. Both parties are scared. The guards are just as scared as the Marys, and Mary's the same as the guards. They tremble and they don't know what to do. But here's the difference. It looks like the guards didn't get it. So there's no joy. They don't understand what this empty tomb means. They don't understand that Jesus Christ, the King, the Messiah, resurrected. They don't understand because, with their physical eyes, with their scientific calculation, from their training, what they see is what they get. And they see an empty tomb, nobody's there. That means someone has stolen this body. What happened? They fear. They tremble. But that's where it ends. But the Marys, they fear. They're scared. But deep within inside, there's joy. There's hope. There's hope in the Lord. So they find this joy. I hope my prayer this Easter morning, is that as we reflect upon our lives, that we tremble. We fear. Why? Because when we enter a holy space and experience Jesus Christ's love, a love that we've never felt anywhere before from anyone else, it's kind of scary, isn't it? When Christ called me first, John, I love you. You're a sinner. You always run away from me. You didn't want to go to seminary. You didn't want to start a church. And now I don't, I keep telling God, I don't want to go on foreign missions long term. And I feel like God's going to tell me one day to do that. I keep saying no to God, but God keeps saying, this is the door. This is the life that I intended for you. You might be scared, but there's always going to be this joy that I'm going to inject in your life. So my prayer to you, church, this morning on Easter, is that let us face Jesus Christ on the cross. May we grieve. May we cry. May we feel thankful for what Christ has done on that cross. But not just with tears, not just with fear but also with this deep joy and now you've heard and now you've seen. Now you've experienced the love that Christ has given you in each of you in own way. That God saved you. All your sins are washed away. There's no ifs. There's no buts. You are His children that He will love no matter what. And in that news, In that resurrected news, in that resurrected Christ, in the faith of our resurrected God, may we find joy, may we find hope as we come and see. But now, may we go and tell of this great good news. I want to invite all of us to pray at this moment. Can we bow our heads? May we just pray. May we give our God a a prayer of thanks. May we give God all glory, all honor. May we promise to God one more time in our lives, God, I'm sitting here not because of the things that I've done, not the awards that I've achieved, Not because of the medals that I've earned, but because of you and what you've done on the cross for us. And we thank you. We thank you that you're a God that not only just disappeared, but that you resurrected. Amen, God. Amen. That you're a resurrected God. A resurrected God that returned into our life and given us hope when all else fails when our jobs when our spouses when our friends when our children when our parents disappoint us when our expectations fail god always reappears says i'm here don't be afraid don't be afraid i'm here i love you and i want to give you hope Follow in my ways. Get rid of the idols. Get rid of the things that you've found foundation on. Your ground that you've achieved. Get rid of those because it's not necessary. I will give you refined hope, renewed hope. And this resurrected Christ promises us, promises us through what he's proven in his life, that we will all experience joy that we will all experience so much joy that we cannot contain it, that we must now go and tell. Go and tell others. May we go and tell others. As we continue time of prayer, I want to leave you with these words of Natalie Grant in her song, Clean. I was meditating upon these words all throughout the week, and I wanted to share with you. I see shattered. You see whole. I see broken. But you see beautiful. And you're helping me to believe. You're restoring me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. Lord, we thank you that you make us clean. We thank you that you wash us. We thank you that you wash us in mercy. We thank you.